0: The
1: cream. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent. Uh, we're back in the studio on Friday this time. We had a little Saturday coffee session last week uh, with Crypto de Medici. Uh, I'm very excited for this week's guest, and we've we've got alcohol back in the studio. Uh, alcohol of choice today is whiskey. Specifically, what are we drinking here? Jefferson's. Very small batch blend of straight bourbon whiskey. Highly recommended. Sipped on it for a little bit already. Very good whiskey. Um, and Jefferson, if you want to sponsor the pod, let me know. We're taking uh, we're taking sponsorships. Um, so before we dive in, into everything, uh, I'd like to introduce everybody to
0: Chiefy Indom. Chiefy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be here.
1: Thank you for coming. I'm excited to, um, to have you on. You become a bit of a bitcoin celebrity over the
0: last two ha! months no 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 no, <laughs> no. I'm, a, I'm a charlatan in a shell oh,
1: we all are we yeah. all are um for those of you that don't know Chiefy blew up towards the end of last year towards the last day of last year uh after he posted uh an article on linkedin 13 african countries should buy bitcoin right now um so we were talking a little bit before we hopped in the studio here and you were saying you're you're Twitter stardom was completely unexpected. Um, you were trying to keep this bottled to to your God and friends.
0: Yeah, I um, when I wrote the article, I was just concerned because I was watching, you know, macroeconomic news, mm-hmm. and I saw too many predictions of the dollar fall in twenty eighteen, up to as high as ten percent. Mm-hmm. and so I was thinking about and I've been following Bitcoin for other reasons for a very long time from 2013 I've been following it and and so when I looked at the options I said okay look you know something if the dollar is gonna fall and you're a developing country that owns or holds a lot of dollars for import cover purposes right hmm you know you need to think about hedging So if you look at, you know, people, a lot of the nuance in the article sort of disappeared because I said that some of them shouldn't probably invest if they don't have the technical capacity, but some of them who do, right, should go into it, study, make a decision to invest or not, and that, but if you don't even do that, you have to do something. Mm -hmm. So even if it's, even if you're not looking at Bitcoin, you should be hedging away from the US dollar. Mm -hmm. You should have some strategy, maybe move to a basket of currencies, you know. you you need to have a a strategy. And and that was, I I wrote it really to raise raise awareness in Ghana. And I did press only in Ghana, you know, for that reason, because, you know, the frenzy that is here in the US does not really exist in Ghana. There's a lot of interest online. Mm -hmm. However, you don't really have, you know, sort of like the daily news. Like now when you Listen to Bloomberg. They're like the Dow was up by however many points, and Bitcoin is down. <laughs> and, it's, and it's and 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 so it's now become a part of the investment landscape, right? Mm-hmm. And it hasn't really reached that level in Ghana in particular. So I was like, okay, people need to pay attention. Let's let me put this out here, and people like people have made some comments. Like, okay, I said ten percent in the LinkedIn post, and one percent when I went to the press in Ghana, and the reason is because, you know. I, you know, the original article I thought was only really going to be read by the few people I have on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some friends, my family, and, and then the, and I knew the news story in Ghana would get a little bit of, of, of traction, but it was really just so, it was very pointed at a very specific audience, which is, you know, people who work at the central bank, people who work in finance to like think through the concept and hoping that somebody would look at it and say, oh, you know fine we think bitcoin's a joke but maybe we should buy some swiss francs maybe we should buy some pounds and we should you know hedge your bets yes yeah.
1: so a few weeks ago i'm trying to think how many episodes ago, i think it's three or four episodes ago now mm-hmm. we actually have somebody who works here za he's from zimbabwe mm-hmm. and he was telling us zimbabwe's history and sort of how they mm-hmm. moved to a, a multi-currency state to mm-hmm. to an extent and how mm-hmm. bitcoin may be able to help there um and i thought your your initiative in ghana is very similar but they're Totally different situations between Ghana and Zimbabwe.
0: Well, yeah, Zimbabwe, you know, has had a lot of problems and um, has been seen by a lot of people as like an anomaly in the international space. But the reality is that there are many countries who either peg their currency to the dollar, Mm -hmm. you know, formally or informally, or they're what they call dollarized economies. So Mm -hmm. the price that you see in the local currency is really reflecting the dollar price. And we operate in a number of countries, and Ghana is one of them. So there were a number of initiatives by the central bank a few years prior to try and, uh, for example, they put out notices saying you're not allowed to price goods in dollars anymore, okay. which you would find. And so you would mm-hmm. go to buy a car, and the price is the price in dollars, and you'd translate it into the local currency, which is the Ghana CD, at the point of purchase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason why is from a technical, technical perspective, you, know, you don't run your economy on a unit that you don't print, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because you can run into problems that like what happen to Greece and other things, right? Yep. But, you know, I think the reality is that there is a status quo in the global macroeconomic environment mm-hmm. where the U.S. dollar is important and for good reason, right? Um, I've been talking a lot and, you know, some of my uh, thoughts about international finance, um, you know, when I think about it, I, I'm not a tech, I'm a lawyer by trade. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a, Trader or an, you know, like a real investor aside from what I do for my family. So it, it you know, it, it, a lot of when I look at it, I try and think about bigger picture issues, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about currencies, I think about, you know, um, betting on a particular country and its economy, right? And I do think that given that the United States has the largest military in the world and has you know this hotbed of innovation and has a very good legal structure there's a reason why the dollar is used as you know really the primary unit of international commerce right mm-hmm. and i and i've been recently talking about max weber and his theories and the concept of a monopoly of legitimate violence right and then and mm-hmm. yeah and he says you know that's really what the state is right mm-hmm. and so when i think of, so if if you define the state as the thing that primarily has a monopoly of legitimate violence, then it follows that the unit of value issued by that state would be backed by that monopoly of, of violence. Mm-hmm. So when people say currencies can't be valued, or they you know they use currency trading value strategies, I think about okay, when everything goes wrong, right? What are the men with guns going to do? Exactamundo. <laughs> <laughs> so so from that standpoint, right? You know you want to have some dollars, but but then now. You know, you've got now, you even got American investors with huge amounts of money saying, you're going to look stupid if you're sitting in cash. Yeah. So, you know, and before, like a few years prior, or even like, let's say in the 70s and things, you know, if you made a comment that, you know, you think that you need to hedge away from the dollar, people would call you a communist or something, right? And now the investors in America are saying, hey, you need to look at other asset classes than just holding cash. Yeah. So it's a completely new world that we're operating in now.
1: And this week in particular, we had Mario Draghi throwing some punches across the table, uh, coming at coming at Trump's uh, policy, trying to talk down, or Draghi was trying to talk it up. Trump was trying to talk it down. And we had Munchin, I don't even know how to pronounce y- his name, Yung-Chin, Yung-Chin 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 Yung-Chin. come in and- and talk it back today it's uh it's funny how how words can affect can affect these uh currency crosses
0: yeah and i think that that comes down to the central thing that i think gets people who are thinking people excited about bitcoin and excited about macro thinking is because it forces you to think creatively about the concept of value Mm -hmm. and you know that you know the reason why the words move the value is because value is exists in human consciousness, right? So, you know, if an alien shows up and says, "I want a drink of water," and they say, "Okay, you have to give me this piece of paper," right? And then they're gonna be like, "Why? <laughs> <laughs> why do I have to give you this U.S. dollar?" Right? And so, and they, you know, they might have to you have to explain it to them. It's it's something that we've made up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has not existed for time immemorial, right? So, once you start to think creatively about it, right, then you know the world of possibility opens up
1: yeah and that's that's sort of one of the themes that we touch on a lot here at tales from the crypt is you're we were just born into the situation you start running when you're born and it's like you never a lot of people never take the step back to sort of evaluate where we are in the context of history right specifically in a monetary history and and we do live in a time of monetary experiment with fiat currencies Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very, very fickle world, I would say, yeah. where you have central banks around the world coordinating dovish monetary policy, mm-hmm. and uh, this is something we haven't experienced up until this point, and people don't realize it. They're born, especially here in America, we're born, you, you're obviously introduced to U.S. dollars, you use it as commerce throughout your life, and you're like, oh, it works. There's mm-hmm. this, this, this could never not work for most people. Um, they they're sort of stuck in that mindset of never even questioning what it is and what money is at its core. Mm. So I think uh, definitely bringing up the the uh, psychological aspect and what it is is really it's it's a it's a human construction exactly. in the mind.
0: It's a social construction. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in college studying sociology, so I would look at how concepts people take for granted such as race or other things are social contracts mm-hmm. so and when you start with that approach and you understand that humanity is you know moldable flexible and things can be created and changed then you apply that to value um, and even when you look at global macroeconomic policy and if you read the post a lot of the things that I put in there were like um, opinions that were unrelated to the argument that I just have mm-hmm. that I just for some reason felt like writing about mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, when I look at it, another reason why I do like Bitcoin as a global store of value that's permissionless is that that point you made, okay, we get born here in America and we use these dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And people hold on to their ancestors' history as if they were responsible for it. (laughs) However, the reality is that where you are from and what your outlook is in life is an accident of birth, right, Mm -hmm. it's just randomness, you know, you don't like, you don't see your parents out there in the ether and say, okay, I want to come (laughs) and be your baby. (laughs) You just, you just happen to occur somewhere Mm -hmm. and then that happens. Right. And so I like the concept of something that people can participate in that is not dependent upon where they're born or what circumstance they're in or whatever. It's just an open network that if you have the resources to participate in, you can participate in and there's no permission required. So it's a very interesting way to look at a value system where you know, common modern-day cur- currencies are linked to the state, the monopoly of violence, and borders. Mm-hmm. And you know, so this is is novel and innovative in that you know there's none of that there.
1: Yeah, having a, a peer-to-peer, borderless digital currency um, is something that people can't grasp right now. That's what I the people haven't don't understand it in earnest, and particularly the innovation of censorship resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I've been arguing that Bitcoin is just like another, not an iteration, but like a, an addition to the internet. Like, look at what the internet's done with the exchange of information, yep. and now we're just iterating on that and adding a value exchange system right. on top of that. And just the internet alone, like what it what it has allowed mm-hmm. people to build in the last twenty, thirty years, has been incredible. And if you have, and that's one thing we're still working on as a plan is getting everybody access to the internet. But those that do have access to the internet have. Um, they have opportunities that have not, not that humans for the first twelve thousand years did not have.
0: Right. This is a very new phenomenon, and, and um, it's difficult to get into it because it's still very early. And many of the seminal texts and many of the even ways to access uh, Bitcoin are not very user friendly. No. And there is still a whole lot of scamming and fraud in the space and especially
1: true. today we saw that with the uh, the japanese exchange i forget what it's called but it took a bunch of nem yep. I didn't even know that was a current cryptocurrency till today and
0: me, me neither and a whole lot of it got stolen mm-hmm. and that actually that fits directly into even like the argument that i've been making about it right is that i would like to see developing countries participate but i would not like them to participate in the way that you find now mm-hmm. where the open nature does allow people to run scams, you know, um, and where, you know, it's a commodity, right? Because it's a commodity, so coordinated action and collusion in markets that are unregulated is something that can't be stopped. No. So I would not want uh, people who are having trouble collecting value, they're not rich, Mm -hmm. I would not want them to be involved in a market with sharks Mm -hmm. with no with no circuit breakers, no regulators, no nothing. So when I made the argument, the reason why I chose the central banks to look at it and the reason why I didn't say every African person or every person in a developing country should buy Bitcoin right now is because I felt that they have the they know they already know and work to prevent fraud. Mm-hmm. And you know, of of all kinds. They ha- they already have economists and financial specialists and technology specialists who help run the banking system. So they should be able to evaluate what this is, and then make a reasoned decision to purchase. And of course, they would hold it. They wouldn't just go and they wouldn't mm-hmm. see sitting there tr- day trading the Bitcoin, right? Yeah. They buy. It. They would buy it. They'd hold it. And of course, they'd hedge their they'd hedge their price position. Mm-hmm. And another point that I haven't sort of uh, gone into in deep detail is that within the allocation that I'm talking about, I'm not just saying go and buy Bitcoin. I'm saying that within, like, let's say, so in Ghana's case, one percent of the reserves would be seventy million dollars, mm-hmm. right? And of that seventy million, you would say, okay, seven million goes to maybe purchase of Bitcoin on on exchanges, global exchanges, and you put it in cold storage, and you have, you know, um, human-based multi-sig approaches mm-hmm. to make sure that you audit it and you check where it is. Then you would dedicate money to trading, right? And trading purposely just to get more Bitcoins, right? Mm-hmm. And then you would have hedging. And management, just like you would with any other currencies, you'd invest another seven in, um, you know, investing in technology. So bringing in specialists to train people to understand the technology, and look at uh, s- uh, secondary and tertiary levers le- levels on top of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So you can actually think through, hey, how can we use this to, for example, make mobile money more transparent and and also easier to track in our local economy. Um, you know you can you know one of the things that popped into my head today I was talking to somebody and is thinking that you know there's a use case for even governments and in agencies to have a cash of a tool like Bitcoin for emergencies right mm-hmm. what happens when you need to make an emergency payment and the banks are closed right yeah. you know and you need to get something in today yeah right uh, there's an emergency and you need to bring people in or you need to bring supplies in well if you have your cash of Bitcoin you can you know you can, you can do that Anytime, anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, you know, so you'd invest in the eco. You would invest in mining, right? You'd invest in all parts of the ecosystem, running nodes, making sure that your internet uh, capability is good enough to be a- and interact and be a part of the network. Stay up
1: with the latency and stuff like that.
0: Exactly. And mm-hmm. so, you would create a, you know, and all of those actions create value. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. teach people new things. They, you know, diversify what you're doing. With your um, your value as a central bank, and I and and now today, actually, also this morning, I've been thinking more so about the concept of a central bank as something new, like rethinking what these things are. Yeah, you were I tweeting
1: mean, about today the Swiss yeah. Swiss uh, National Bank.
0: Yes, yes. I, I for some reason this morning that popped just you know I was just thinking about it, and then I was thinking about how they have managed right because I had I tweeted about that the fact that they made money right? They mm-hmm. made $55 billion basically acting like a hedge fund, right? Yeah. Printing money and then buying shares of Apple and other things, mm-hmm. right? But I, di- I didn't make the connection that the only bank that I've seen that is uh, able to purchase uh, where you can buy Bitcoin from the bank is in Switzerland, I think, that mm-hmm. I've se- that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that the central bank there gave them permission to do so. So in my mind the connection was oh they must have you know if in order to give someone permission you must think there's a future in this business mm-hmm. right so they basically they're going long on the new future and and then I mean I didn't put it in Twitter post and I probably shouldn't go and put my science fiction but I but like in in my mind no, right we get we get cosmic <laughs> <here>. <laughs> okay goes, we get cosmic cosmic crazy yeah and so you know I'll put all the disclaimers if there are any regulators listening I'm drunk you know I'm, I'm here <laughs> drinking whiskey so and you know uh, you cannot uh, uh, hold me to but basically the concept is I was thinking wow you know Switzerland is the neutral state mm-hmm. right they're neutral uh, you know the U S and Japan. We're big into quantitative easing, right? And Japan
1: for like almost thirty years now, right? Almost right, it's been like 25, 30 it, years. Yeah,
0: the Bank of Japan basically owns their stock market, mm-hmm. right? And and then you have recently, uh, Trace Mayer wrote an uh, article, or I had an interview on Zero Hedge, he was talking about mm-hmm. Bitcoin as a geopolitical weapon, right? Which yep. is scary, scary concept, right? <laughs> that's,
1: what, that's one thing people don't realize is that like if, if bitcoin comes successful becomes successful, it means a lot of heavy shit is going to happen around the world hmm. like it's
0: well it could because so then the connected the dots I was thinking through were like, whoa hmm, you know what if it is the case right that this is an emerging geopolitical issue uh, and that the and that the concept that china is starting to, quote unquote, crack down by not allowing miners to claim subsidies that apply to data centers in order to get cheaper electricity and other tax breaks, uh, which is causing them to relocate, mm-hmm. what if that is a reaction to the inability of the miners to control the network, which they ha- they were unable to do in terms of upgrades to the protocol, right? Yeah,
1: over the summer with the old SegWit2x exactly. New so, York agreement and beat cash, too.
0: So what if the concept was, well, you can't control this thing, so now we're not going to subsidize it anymore. Mm-hmm. And now the the miners are moving to more Western countries, and you have Switzerland playing the neutral party and basically just going full out, buying tech stocks, <laughs> buying Bitcoins, right, and just waiting for the carnage to happen. Like basically saying, hey, guys, let's get ready for the nuclear winter. <laughs> let's buy a lot of Bitcoin, let's buy a lot of technology stocks, and then the data wars will start. But, you know, the the concept is is it's, you know, when you think through, and that's just me just, you know, I'm running scenarios, right? I'm just trying to think what is happening in the world right now because it's really weird if you really do think about the amount of energy that's being put, the amount of money that's going into the space, um, the fact that, you know, when I first read about Bitcoin and and the game theory of Bitcoin, you know, this is really in 2013. Mm -hmm. I read about it and I said, you know, fine, there is international monetary game theory already going on. So mm-hmm. there are political and economic reasons. So behind Mario
1: Draghi's comments this week is part of that game theory.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. They're they're all positioning themselves. How strong is my currency? How weak is my currency? Mm-hmm. How do I attract investment? How do I attract? How do I in- incentivize imports? And all of that is already going on. So we already have a game theory sort of based um, economic system, global economic system. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that concept encapsulated in software was too fragile. For me, as a person who invests and who works with financial institutions, I I thought that, you know, fine, you can say that it's uneconomical for a 51% attack or anything else to occur, right? But it's not improbable, okay? Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, I need to wait and see what happens with this thing. Right. I felt that it was, it, you know, in some ways you could say it's safer because you can see the attacks occurring on the network. Yeah. Right. And you yeah. can track them. Right.
1: Like we're, we're seeing the spam attack that the network's been undergoing just get completely wiped out. I think the mempool zone is cleared out.
0: So, yeah. Right. So 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 basically, you know, this it's it's in some ways it's safer when you do things out in the open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead of behind closed doors. Yeah. Right. So um and then i you know and and by waiting you know a lot of things have been shaken out of the ecosystem the mount gox thing and the you know silk road and all these other things got pretty much shaken out and i was further interested when i said that you know okay one of the questions one of the things i always think very critically about is every time somebody gets up and says the price is going to go to zero it could take 100 years or whatever but it's going to go to zero I always find it interesting because they never list, like, the three or four key factors that will bring it to zero. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm basically saying, so you're relying on intuition. Give me some arguments because I would like to hear them. I think,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's only one argument. It would have to be a foul swoop coordination between all the governments in the world to to knock on node operators' doors and destroy them, which is highly improbable.
0: Right, and also it'd be contrary to, I mean, it... It would be contrary to the concept of a free Western democracy, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. You, so you know you can't you cannot um, stop innovation. You cannot stop information from flowing. You you can't um, appropriate property that, that you know um, illegally. So well, I, mm, go ahead. As a lawyer,
1: let me ask you about this: mm-hmm. the whole argument that Bitcoin is free speech because at the end of the day, it's just written code that's run. On hardware, that so at the end of the day, Bitcoin is code, ding,
0: ding, ding. and that's one of the reasons why I um, I also thought heavily about it and talked to my family and friends about it is because I did look and think through that. I thought through that argument, and I was like, okay, can they ban? Can Bitcoin be banned? And I was I was like, it, that would be unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's there you know, I don't really see uh, an argument in a country with this structure. That would that would allow a government to quote unquote ban. And if you and if you try and regulate it out of existence, you also have another component that people don't understand. Um, regulation, you know, uh, that is not just prohibition. Mm-hmm. Requires um, a lot of investment. You have to hire lawyers, accountants, investigators, and other things. And for a state to make that decision, they must that decision by default. So people. Saying by default that you have to regulate it heavily is not actually a bearish indicator. That's an indicator that the thing is important.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Joseph Stiglitz uh, fighting in Davos this week, fighting for for heavy regulation.
0: Right, but heavy regulation will make it grow faster. Mm-hmm. That's a people realize <laughs> because once it's regulated, right? Once it's heavily regulated, and and so and like you know, there, you know, the, we're still very early in Bitcoin, right? And so the reality is that. A lot of the people who were originally attracted to it, in some cases, were attracted to it for radical ideas, mm-hmm. right? Which is fine. It's yeah. an open network. Right? I would argue, yeah,
1: I was, I was, right. uh, to an extent, right, not, not radical in the sense. Of, um, Radical in the sense that, and from a so I come from an economics background. I study mm-hmm. economics in college mm-hmm. and I work for a managed futures fund.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I came from a radical like we need to fix our money sort mm-hmm. of standpoint, mm-hmm. like sound money. That's the that's the perspective I'm coming from. That's not
0: that radical. There are people no. in the Fed who are thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> probably yeah? there probably are. I mean, I saw on the tenth when I saw this explainer article about Bitcoin from the St. Louis Fed. Sorry, yeah, um, you know, there's an explainer article uh, on the from the St. Louis Fed on the tenth, January tenth, that came out. And when I read that paper, I was thinking, what is the purpose of this paper? Mm-hmm. Why would someone sitting at a branch of you know the central bank write an explainer paper on Bitcoin that has some, you know, very um, uh, you know, it ca- has caveats, mm-hmm. but with positive language, basically saying that it could be seen as a store of value like digital gold, right? It could, it could be. So you know, it's likely that whoever approved that paper to be written, I don't know if there's an approval process, I don't know if the people there can just write whatever they want. I doubt right? that. Right. But, but So somebody had to look at this and say, okay, you can write about Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. You know, That means that there are likely people who sympathize with this technology in that branch of the government, you know, just in terms of running through probabilities and why the paper would even exist, mm-hmm. right? Because if, if they all thought it was completely just a ridiculous thing... Why would you bother spending time and resources writing a paper about it?
1: That's I mean,
0: I think we I think the public has forced their hand, the, with the mania
1: of the last year. I think they, they feel they're supposed to be the monetary authority. They're supposed to have all the answers and maybe they felt a little pressure like, Hey, we if if we're supposed to be running the money, maybe we should understand this new money that everybody's talking about.
0: That's a good point. However, you know, if they were just pressured and just didn't like it, the paper would just say, We're writing about Bitcoin, and we think it's stupid. Mm-hmm they yeah. didn't do that no they wrote of you know a very well reasoned article that explained value in very good ways and that explained the concept in very good and i'm finding that technical people who are not familiar with monetary policy when they read that paper they start to understand what it is what the risks are and what the potential is mm-hmm. and that and that you know that the, the act of producing something like that is very good for the asset class in the sense that now you have a very sort of grown-up perspective on what it is, and mm-hmm. the grown-up perspective did not conclude that it's magical internet money.
1: No. And that's one thing that I love about this magical internet money is that it's forcing people to think hard about monetary policy. And again, yes. like we said in the beginning of the episode, what is money at its core? Yep. And... It's incredible to be alive during this time when, when this I would call it a changing of the guard to an extent. I yeah. think
0: I think that people's minds are being open. Mm-hmm. And when I think deeply about it, um, you know, uh I read uh, Ray Dalio's Principles his book, which mm-hmm. is a very good book that is kind of like a you know, it's a self help book written by a guy with a lot of money. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, you read it. And it goes over his thinking and it goes over how he runs things. But there's a point—a passage where he says that nature optimizes for the whole, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really concerned about you. And when I think about this kind of network and the thinking behind it and the technology behind it, I think that paying more attention to it is good for humanity because we're learning how to manipulate and control data in new and exciting ways. And the f- craze in terms of fast money, like, oh my God, the price is going up, is now forcing people to think about computers as opposed to frivolous things Mm -hmm. so i think that's good for for humanity
1: yeah and like going back to what you were talking earlier um when you were describing how the ghana ghana central bank should diversify between buying bitcoin directly and then investing in mining and node operators and internet infrastructure that that's what i love about bitcoin so much is the network the network's a self-fulfilling prophecy to an extent like if you but like I love your advice to not just buy Bitcoin directly. Invest in the infrastructure around the network, and you will
0: bring value to the the underlying token. Yeah, and, there's yeah. a huge problem going on right now in this space. Mm-hmm. Huge. Um, and it is blockchain. <laughs> right. Blockchain, not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's <laughs> MySpace,
1: you didn't hear? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs>
0: it feels a lot like MySpace. No, I mean, like, blockchain and ICOs, and tokens, and I think that there's a whole ton of promise, but I think the public doesn't understand that this is venture capital. Exactly. Well,
1: that's what I've talked touched on before, is like we're trying to apply old-world sort of structures to this new technology, and I think people are just going to get blown the fuck out because they're, they're, their concept of what this technology is is just they're trying to equivalent it, equivalent it to what we're used to. And it's just not going to work.
0: No, it doesn't work at all. So, for example, uh, uh, someone who advises people on investing in what I call digital assets on Twitter was used the analogy that forks of the Bitcoin code and ledger are stock splits. (laughs) And and they are not stock splits. That is a very dangerous idea. I think that that... That allows Bitcoin whales to create financial weapons of mass destruction mm-hmm. by making, forking, you know, the the code and the ledger and saying, here's Bitcoin, idiot, buy it. And, you know, and I've got, uh, by the way, I've got tons of it. <laughs> you know, I've got so much of Bitcoin stupid and, you know, and I want the ETF to value it. So now, you know, something I thought of in my bedroom, you know, is valued at a billion dollars and I can, you know, make 300 million by encouraging people to buy my products with it and, and all you
1: have to do is copy paste and change a couple parameters and, and it's now, a living
0: and and that is a that is actually a beautiful part of of the of of this ecosystem however you once you copy the code right and copy the ledger and run it on a, a separate set of equipment mm-hmm. it is no longer bitcoin it's something else
1: yeah i mean that should be that should have become apparent after the Bitcoin Bitcoin cash or when Bitcoin cash forked off of the network that's what people need to understand is when you fork you're forking off the network You're is you're not you're not some you're not like a new Bitcoin version that that people need to upgrade to you're running a completely different protocol and this is
0: very important point that I saw and there was a, a letter issued by the SEC I believe Where they were commenting on some of the ETF applications, Mm -hmm. and they asked questions. Which at first I thought, "Why are these questions here?" But then I realized that I think they have run through what we just described, and are contemplating prohibiting the valuation of forks in Bitcoin ETFs, because they ask questions about, you know, what are, how are you going to value these, and what is the implication of market manipulation by quote unquote Bitcoin whales?
1: And that's like, so my whole. I think I might be in the minority in this view where I don't think crypto hedge funds are smart at all. Like, like I think the risk that you take on by holding all the assets in a central pool is stupid. I think mm-hmm. it's totally anathema to what Bitcoin was created for, which mm-hmm. is holding your own wealth. And mm-hmm. then again, like we're talking about now with the mm-hmm. forks, like if we were finding this out with Coinbase, like, then they're not even a hedge fund. They're just a service where people are buying Bitcoin. It's a whole clusterfuck. Like, people if they wanted to could go to coinbase and say hey i want my bitcoin gold i want my bitcoin platinum like i'm holding it on your exchange you gave everybody their bitcoin cash why aren't i getting these other forks and it creates a whole clusterfuck for everybody and that's something that you have people running out of the gate so i've been talking about this a lot with lewis who who's my boss here he he helped me start this podcast and really encouraged me to like get into this um it like these crypto hedge funds like and they're they're like they don't. They're it's old old money trying mm-hmm. to get on a new hype phase and trying to make yes. a quick buck, but mm-hmm. they don't realize like the logistical shit show they can run into yes. with the nature of these protocols.
0: I think that if you're structuring an entity like this, first off, every digital asset should probably be ring fenced in its own LLC. I don't think you should pool them together, mm-hmm. um, and because you know you know uh, for a number of reasons, you don't want risks to spread. Uh, similarly, I would think that you should um, you have to have a very clear policy on what your investing is in mm-hmm. and I think the reason why I came up with that article is because I do believe in the uh, gold 2.0 disrupting gold thesis mm-hmm. there are a number of investors who are promoting this concept but I've looked at it and I've read some writing there's a A gentleman named Vincent Lanley, uh, he is the World Bank, he writes at Cointelegraph and other people who have written pretty extensively about, you know, that trajectory of this emerging as an asset class with the market caps and so on and so forth. I think that's a very compelling story for value. Mm -hmm. However, if you have an immutable ledger, right, the value is that immutable ledger. And the the value is the consensus protocol within that walled garden. Mm -hmm. And then so as you said, once you move out of that walled garden, you cannot relate value to that, because the value is that walled garden and the immutable ledger, right? You know, you know that your balance is there forever. And so I think that investors who want to take advantage of these sort of things where basically somebody just shows up and says that, hey, you were a part of this ledger, so now you can be a part of my software, mm-hmm. right? They're basically it's like the techno- technological equivalent of a drug dealer giving someone a free baggie of crack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, That's, here's some free money. There you go. Have some fun, right? Yeah. And you know, enjoy it. You know, but it's it's a trap. So, <laughs> so, so when I look at it, and I and I know a lot of people really don't like like there's you know these are some of the most, um, I guess the people don't like this argument. A lot of people in the space. When I say things like this, they, I can tell they're angry. They're angry. I've gotten some angry comments. A lot about. of emotions in the space. <laughs> yes, angry comments. You know, I'm just hey, I'm just a guy talking about Bitcoin. So do will be angry. We're all just dudes talking. <laughs> <here>. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm nobody. You know, I'm. And a few I, women actually. Uh, There's women
1: in blockchain, right, believe it or not. Yes.
0: From Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, but um, it's not that serious, and it's just. But you know, but I I do think serious thought needs to go into. How can you make these things available for the ordinary person to purchase them within their 401k or whatever a retirement portfolio? And you have to be responsible about that. You have to make tough decisions. And one of those decisions to me um, would result in the drop in price of a lot of Bitcoin forks because, you know, the SEC would say, OK, we're approving the ETF, but no forks. Mm-hmm. Right, and and the real and the and the thing that I said is just you know you once you legitimize them you know it's the Pandora's box. How do you decide which one to include, which one not to include? You know, and 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 what are the market effects of that? Um, and and furthermore, you know, as another analogy, is you can just say it's alchemy, right? You don't you if it's digital gold, you can't just create more of it out of nowhere. Yeah. You need to be able, you know, you you can't just get a little bit of you know get nodes and miners and just say, hey, we've got this new thing. No, you have to, you know, stick with that. You know, the, the gold in Bitcoin is the massive network that now exists with a mm-hmm. massive amount of computing power and participation, and yeah. you don't relate it to vapor.
1: And yeah, and the mental power that goes in. So, and that's one conversation I had last week with my guest, is we got into what people need to realize at the end of the day, this is code. It can be buggy. Like, and you, you want to be putting your value in code that's most likely not to be buggy and bitcoin up to this point in time has proven to be the most secure blockchain
0: right and Mm. i think that the fact that it's open source which allows anybody to go and just comb through it and Mm -hmm. try and discover something aids in its security Mm -hmm. and so right exactly by definition the moment you decide to uh, fork it and put another team on it. It's by definition an inferior thing with less attention, less scrutiny, less history, mm-hmm. um, and and that is, I think, like the 800-pound gorilla in the blockchain space, which is that many of the new blockchains are very new. And what happened to Bitcoin, you know, in its early years? What's the probability that you, with your new blockchain technology, won't experience the things that happened to Bitcoin?
1: Well. I would argue there's even more scrutiny on these new blockchains. Bitcoin has that first mover advantage where it didn't have as many eyes on it in the first few years, where it was lucky. It was able to solve and patch bugs uh, that would have otherwise been fatal when there were fewer eyes on it. So now when these. Blockchain's launching, and you have billions of eyes on it
0: now. But remember, most people don't even like with ICOs. Most people don't even read the white paper, right? No, no. Right, and let let alone let alone have the skills to go through. But um, you know who is reading that? Somebody like the Dow Hacker, or exactly, the exactly. I was watch, I was re, I was uh, I heard about a company. There's a number of companies that now do audits for ICOs and other things, and they're finding lots and lots of errors, lots and lots of problems. You, you know.
1: You know why? Because I this week Barstool Sports, mm-hmm. some company in LA, mm. like pitched our investors that Barstool should have an ICO and should have a token. Like, nice. This, this media company should Can have. Can I a buy token. some of
0: it? What's the price? No, how much them, money am I gonna make? I
1: told them not to be stupid. <laughs> I told I told the Sherning Group, the people that that are made this office and this studio possible. I was like, do not. To engage with these people, yeah. like Barcel does not need an ICO. Yeah. And then I went to the website of this group that was pitching them, and they were like, they were taking this meeting. I was like, Have you seen their website? It's basically like a WordPress, like the, the shitty CSS, yeah. like everything was like fucked up. I was like, wasn't professional at all. I was like, that's like the nature of the space right now, especially ICO specifically. It's just a bunch of people yeah. hopping on the hype train. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we'll structure your ICO. We'll make right. sure we'll teach you how to do an ERC twenty split up, spin up. Uh, spin up and start your own
0: network of value. Which you can learn for free by going to the Ethereum website. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so you know, you know, don't hire a consultant. Just go to the website and learn how to do it. Um, yeah. But, but the thing is is I, I I think that's it's a very interesting space and you never want to discourage innovation. You never want to discourage entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. But I think that everybody, you know, should just assume that ninety nine percent of what's out there won't work yeah and so you got to do a lot of work to see what could possibly work Mm -hmm. and what you know and then and even for the things that will work many of them will probably take more time than people think they will take Mm -hmm. and you know like Vitalik Peter himself says that a lot he's like you know things have been taking longer than I think that they, they would that's one of the things he learned from going through the process so when I think about the blockchain space and a lot of people have said this you know for it to become a real space you know first you know, the, the simple blockchain with the simple theory, right? Sound money, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. very simple, you know, um, application, permissionless store of value and transmission of value. Slow and dumb. That needs to succeed mm-hmm. and become and, and, and grow um, to act as, you know, the, 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 the cornerstone of a very exciting industry. The fulcrum from which everything can yes. sort of... Yeah,
1: yes. I totally agree. And that's... That's one thing I touch on a lot in the newsletter I write and this podcast is the hubris that you see out there that people who are discovering this and like think they've figured it all out and think they've they've discovered how it's going to be applied throughout history or going to be applied to our society. It it blows my mind to think that less than a decade in we're going to f- like yeah. have this yep. figured out and exactly how it's going to work it's
0: it's very funny like when i when i posted one of my actual first posts on linkedin about bitcoin i posted it and i shared the email that i sent to my business group in 2013 just you know because i was about to start talking about it and said you know we've been studying it for a while right and someone commented that oh it's easy to come out an expert someone actually used to work with me in it and uh so my next article i noted and I try and make it explicit to people now that you know, I am not a Bitcoin expert. There's no such thing. Right. And like anything that I do, if I'm going to go talk to a banking group or something, I don't get paid to do it. I'm doing it because I think it's important for them to look at. And And the reality is, and I always, you know, and a big part of the argument is always that, you know, build the capacity to understand it yourself. Don't listen to me mm-hmm. because one of the ironic things about the run-up in price is that it's likely that if you were to interview you know, a, s- a significant sample of everyone who's purchased a digital asset on Coinbase over the past 12 months, that most of them, the primary decision point would be their trust of somebody else who's invested in it and made money. Mm-hmm. So the trustless system is growing through people trusting, trusting people, other people. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right? And so it's ironic, right? But that's human nature, mm-hmm. okay? And, and, and that's fine. It's okay for people to trust people and, and follow what they do, but the, you know, you always, it's always buyer beware, look at what you're doing, understand the risks in what you're doing, and once you, once you go deep into that, you'll spend less time thinking about how much money to put into it and more time thinking about how to understand it and interact with it. That's, that's, our,
1: that's our quip here at Tales from the Crypt. This is a journey, people. You're going to go on a journey of learning. And that's, uh, we've talked about this before, too, one of my favorite tweets about Bitcoin from Neil Woodfine is that if Bitcoin becomes successful, it may usher in the next enlightenment because it forces people to think about things they've never thought well, about Well, yes, and, um, and,
0: and you can think about that in very, very practical terms. Um, <laughs> people who go on exchanges and stuff usually, in many cases, are very concerned about hacking and other things. And just by purchasing a little bit of Bitcoin from an exchange like Kraken or Gemini, right, you know you'll you'll see advisories about you know how SMS is is you know is risky in terms of the porting risk mm-hmm. and how you know you need to use a, an authenticator right and there are posts that they've put on about basic internet security that should just be standard in the industry right like right now a regulator should come out and say banks financial institution exchanges should not be allowed to use SMS as an authentication message due to the porting risk so Come up with your authenticator within six to 12 months, right? That should be the standard. And right? that's,
1: uh, that's not a big ask either.
0: No, no. I mean, they're open. That's why everybody uses Google Authenticator, the people yeah. who know how to do it. It's yeah. not esoteric, right? But and this space is driving people into those better standards.
1: And for those of you using Google Authenticator, make sure you physically write down uh, the backup to your authenticator. I've had that happen to me before where mm-hmm. I lost a phone and lost access to Google Authenticator. Yeah. I. You no. need the backups. Have the
0: backups. Right, and... If you're paranoid, you split up your authenticators across multiple phones, <laughs> so you're never completely out. Only but, the paranoid survive. Right. So, but um, you know, it's this is uh, this is something that um, you know the um, uh, you know the concept of the of of leading to an enlightenment is very interesting to me. Um, I do think that you know paying attention to digital value. forces people to value digital things and technology. And that process um, should lead to a new innovation, should lead to investing. I mean, so here's a scenario, right? What if somebody has $300 and they decide to buy Bitcoin instead of a pair of Jordans, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and now they're paying attention, watching the Bitcoin space as opposed to Watching the shoe space is that a plus or a minus for humanity? I don't know, but you can make an argument that that person may learn how to build a computer. That person may decide to learn how to code. That person may learn to decide to learn about monetary policy, right, as opposed to just shoes. So, you know, there are pluses and minuses to everything, and and this particular asset class, you know, I look at it in emerging asset class. It, it 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 does, I think, force people to get a little bit on their game. And anybody, like most serious people I know about that that I've met, I've met a lot of serious people now in the past few weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Most of them are very well read. Mm -hmm. Most of them think critically about things. They don't just take the world for granted as it is. Mm -hmm. Most of them think in a long-term view about society. And so whatever your political background or your view about the world, this is something that is leading to an open and interesting discussion that's good
1: it's it's incredible. I mean, and it's invigorating too. Like I'm I'm addicted to it. Like I I can't I can't go thirty minutes without checking my crypto Twitter list to see what's going on because the news happen is happening so fast. New developments are coming out every day. I mean, yesterday was a huge news day for the space fundamental wise. Like Robinhood's coming out with an app, or excuse me, they already have an app. They're about to uh, enable Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I believe fifteen other cryptocurrency uh trading pairs uh on their app so that's going to open up a whole nother avenue for for new investors and then you had coinbase buying a trading firm you had uh, uh strike coming out which is a lightning network stripe like api where people can start building on top of the lightning network and helping merchants out uh receive instant nearly fee-less transactions and then on top of that you had the mempool clearing out like the fundamentals are lining up right now and mm-hmm. it's uh it's it's funny to see uh, the new wave of people that came in like towards the end of last year with the price rise who bought between fifteen and nineteen thousand. Like, hey, it's boring right now. It's like, no, you need to pay attention to these things that are going on around. Stop pry your eyes away from the price charts and start looking at the fundamentals.
0: Right, exactly. And and I'm uh, so clearly not an investment advisor, but I tell people when they're looking at this, like, to have a reasonable allocation. And there are academic papers showing that. By one by uh, Professor Liu out of Johns Hopkins he does a little study and comes to the preliminary conclusion that you know 1.3% portfolio allocation over time for people who manage money could be a good thing could be mm-hmm. not it necessarily is and so and the best thing to do is you know to have an allocation that you can lose and not feel bad about and then forget about it and then study about the, the whole space mm-hmm. because I've said this many times before I'm not you know I'm not you know the the trading uh, industrial complex has been shoehorned onto Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of, yes. the, it's you know it's basically just taking what people did in forex and applying it to Bitcoin. Which you can make an argument that it's interesting, but it's not necessarily the best best use of human brain power. People for so people, people who are good at it, go for it, right? Exactly. But for most people, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. So why not just hold on to it and then learn how to invest generally and have financial freedom generally and then you won't have to be watching charts and prices because you already have a plan and you're following it. and you're saving you're investing and you're not worried about your financial stability that's what gives people the freedom to then move actually exponentially in terms of wealth and knowledge by studying and finding a good space i keep telling people that you know, there are a lot of people who are spending months and weeks reading books to learn trading charts who could just like study to become an accountant or certified financial planner who understands Bitcoin and then they could make a real career out of it. Mm-hmm. So, even sometimes, like, I've been going around setting up hardware
1: wallets for people, mm-hmm. just doing that for a small fee and like mm-hmm. something small like that. Just learn how to make people comfortable because, again, it's a whole, it's a whole comfort. This is something that's completely out of most people's comfort zone. So, if you're able to make, some people that are looking to get into it more comfortable that's a way to make some money that's a way to make some bitcoin right? you know and there's so and many tangential ways you can get into this
0: Absolutely there are many people who just want someone to explain what the bitcoins are mm-hmm. that's it <laughs> you know in a very good What are the bitcoins <laughs> what are They that's all they want to know and they they may not want to buy them but they just want to know what it is and frankly there are a lot of like global leaders and the person who is paid to explain what Bitcoin is to them is not doing their job. No. They're coming, you know, they they're, they're, They come through and they say, okay, they're going to ask you about Bitcoin. What am I going to say? Uh, say something about money laundering and say something about blockchain. Say that you like blockchain, but you're not sure about Bitcoin. That's okay, now go, go. You know, and it's like they, you know, um, any serious organization right now, in my view, that is tangentially related to managing, storing, and valuing financial assets or value should be dedicating some staff to understanding this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, that is what's happening for many of them, but to me, you know, you, you know ev- ev- there's a con- global consensus that the concept of quote-unquote blockchain is innovative and new and cool, right? Mm-hmm. But the oldest implementation of that technology is Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna say that you like that, you know, and you manage a team of economists or investors or whatever, you need to have at least the intern at least one intern who's really just 100% focused to this space, so that you were educated. Yeah. Because it's big, and it, it requires thought and study.
1: And it's moving fast. Mm-hmm. It's
0: moving at, at breakneck speed.
1: And that is that was one thing. I was sitting in the office in 2000 for the Managed Futures Fund that I work for, worked for, and I was mm-hmm. that junior analyst screaming, we should be paying attention to this. We should be paying attention to Bitcoin. We should be buying some I got laughed out of the office. and It was just like... I
0: yeah. went
1: and decided to learn more about UX and UI design and sort of products and how they're built and how code interacts with apps or how help, help people build apps with code and understanding front-end versus back-end technologies. And I, I wish they would have listened to me, but I'm happy they didn't to well, an extent.
0: Well, you know, look, one of the things that I say is that I have not... I have yet to meet anybody who... Is really serious about this asset class, who has, you know, at least gone to one conference, who has managed mining equipment or a node, who has, um, you know, studied and read the top papers on SSRN, which are freely available about this asset class. I've yet to meet anybody who's taken that level of effort, who is bearish on the concept generally. Everybody I know who knows a lot about it likes it and is excited about it. Mm-hmm. And usually there's a high correlation between ignorance as to what it is and bearishness. So, you know, this is something that has a lot of potential. It's something that and a lot of people look at as a very scary thing because it could enable money laundering or illegal things. But I, I always say that, you know, even as not a purely technical person, any, you know, any smart criminal doesn't put their information in a computer. Right. So, you know, I, I think that, it, it, you know, there's, as I said, there's a paper that I saw today um, by some Qatari uh, researchers, and they had gone through and analyzed historical transactions on the blockchain and managed to use techniques to actually pinpoint who these people were with publicly identifiable, but identifiable information, right? Now, this space is all about censorship, resistance, and other things, but you have to realize that it requires using the internet, mm-hmm. which is you know, this huge gerrymandered public managed thing. And so I mean uh gerry rigged, you know, it's been like sort of patched together, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't always work. And even in New York, I walk around, sometimes my phone signal goes out, right? Yeah. So it's not it's 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 not God. It is just it's just technology. Yeah. Right. With a very huge potential implication. Um but, you know, so 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 the and the point is is that a lot of people's perceptions about what it is and the bad things are just and i see a lot of it's just fear-mongering and ignorance
1: yeah it was just a stickless this week it's for money launderers and drug dealers they, that want to transact anonymously it's like if you actually looked into this bitcoin's not anonymous at all no it, it's fungibility has been lost at the no. protocol level they're pseudonyms.
0: They're not, yeah, pseudonyms they're you're, yeah. you're not you're not anonymous right mm. and, and it's very difficult to be it's practically i remember reading an article once just because i was interested and like someone went through the steps to have a phone that is actually an anonymous phone, right? Because if they want to find you, they're gonna cross-reference it to your other phone, your other patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And I was looking through the steps, and someone was saying that how we'd actually make this work, and they're so ridiculous, right? <laughs> they're just so, like, you know, to actually have a phone like on that you own, that nobody knows it's you, Right, you have to take it to places at random times, and like take it on little trips, and like give it to your friend and say, "Go to New York while I'm going to Milwaukee." And, you know, it's like it's ridiculous. People don't realize how difficult it is, and so when I look at this space, I think that it's going to lead to more awareness and changes in the law. For example, I think that eventually we're going to be forced to move towards. Higher value-added tax, and people, what they're going to do is tax people at the point of consumption, and they're not going to worry about income tax anymore.
1: Oh, that's one thing I've been arguing for years. Is like, why go on an income income-based tax system when you can do consumption
0: taxes? Like, it because makes... a lot of accounting firms make a lot of money every year on it. That's true. That's <laughs> so true. it's very difficult to get rid of something that's feeding people. We got to find something for them to do that can make them happy. That's actually but, the one thing
1: my sister and I. My sister-in-law and I agree upon agree ah. on. We she works for a city, and she's big bank banking background. Yeah. Um, and we've had our spars about Bitcoin and, yeah. and the future of money. Yeah. And and the one thing we do agree on is a consumption tax.
0: Right. I mean look, and you know, and in a full disclaimer, my dad used to he was a partner at Deloitte, so, you know, my I think part of my education was paid for through like accounting work. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not, you know, I, I think accountants do great work. Don't come kill me accountants. But I think that the current implementation of income tax is it doesn't really make sense, not good use of time. And, you know, there are actually very interesting accounting concepts that relate to this space that we're going to need to think through, like the question we talked through, through about forks. Like, what, you know, there needs to be an accounting standard on what this is and how you mm-hmm. value these things. You need to come up with new valuation. There are plenty of new, exciting things for accountants to do as opposed to just bean counting every year on, you know, these crazy uh, income tax rules. And, 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 so, and it also it solves at least one part of the problem. Which is that, you know, if we if if money does actually evolve into something that is completely uncensorable, right, then yes, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna have high consumption taxes, pretty much like probably high real estate taxes and other things. Mm-hmm. And, and and then that will give the freedom for the space to move without significant loss in government revenue. Um but you know, the reality is that all of this is good stuff. You know, changing laws due to advanced technology is a good thing. That means we're moving forward.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think I think it's important that we move forward. I would argue that that we've we've hit a bout of stagnation, especially at the the political level here in the U.S. Um, I just I, I'm completely apathetic towards towards our our government at this point, specifically here in the U.S. There are a bunch of old people that can't get anything done, that are wishy washy. That it's always whenever you bring in a new president, if you're coming from a Republican regime, going into a Democratic regime everybody's optimistic at first and then a, a year or two in it's meet the new boss same as the old boss it's 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 getting th- it's getting tiring at, at this I point i think
0: i think that uh probably most young people now are more excited about bitcoin than politics mm-hmm. and i think that that's okay i think that so actually let me rephrase that i think that um politics is as Boring as the electorate allows it to be. Mm -hmm. And so now, as people get into these more interesting things, they hopefully will demand of their politicians and use the political process to make the laws and regulations more aligned with their worldview and how they see the world changing. Mm -hmm. I think that in the United States, you know, if you look at the whole drama with the Russian hacking and so on and so forth, I mean, that is everybody was like so surprised about it and like oh about the terror someone's going on facebook and making fake accounts i'm like fake accounts are like probably like the killer app for facebook and have been for years i mean like you know what i mean there's remember when there was the whole drama about real fucking expect <laughs> like real names on facebook everybody's like what my real name now people are gonna know like you know it, nobody wanted nobody nobody wants social media you know, to not have some degree of 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 you know not an anonymity, but you know you you know people want to be able to have fun on social media and just talk about funny things, right? Mm-hmm. And the point should be like I think that the strategic reaction to that, I would just be like, ha ha, funny, funny. Like everybody, listen, right? Don't get so angry. Don't take everything you see on social media as the truth, right? And. And actually, we need to very quickly authorize a bill to increase funding for education, because if our people were well educated, they wouldn't be falling for spoof accounts from Russia. Exactly. It's, you know, so it, it, it the whole thing was just crazy.
1: No, that's one of the one of the one of the uh, the tales from the crypt uh, book clubs books that we talk about a lot is the sovereign individual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it's a must read if you're into Bitcoin because. It was written in 1997, republished in 1999, and it predicted a lot of what's happening right now, including Bitcoin. It it predicted the conditions that would lead to Trump, and it predicted fake news. And relying on fake news was basically in the future. Uh, the ability to discern between what's what's truthful and what's not is going to be imperative, and that's one thing we're finding out in today's world. Like you have to be
0: able to critically think for yourself, which is good, and and I think it will be taught in schools. Mm-hmm. And I think it it probably already is, mm-hmm. and I think that opposed to trying to regulate a space that is just really the wild west, you know, as you said, the individuals need, uh, you know, to to be educated to learn, to value what is in front of their face and make a critical decision about about it and the veracity of it. And I, and that is the direction in which the world is, is moving. As things get decentralized, there are many people, even for now, who get m- most of their news through a friend, through social media. So that's, you know, decentralized trust in authority of news is now moving to individuals mm-hmm. through social media, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's incumbent upon individuals to actually be able to discern what's coming from them. And, and you know, we're not just going to rely on some you know, uh, big media organization to say this is the arbiter of the truth.
1: No, and it's funny to see um, how the different generations consume uh, media and information differently. Like uh, my father-in-law, love him, but he sit- he sits there and watches MB- MSNBC all day, and mm-hmm. that's like that's his news source, and that's the only thing. Like, and I'm sitting there with my tweet deck up. I've got my crypto finance journalism media uh, geopolitical. Uh, sort of list that I'm reading and mm-hmm. getting information from from people that I've vetted over years and years. I'm mm-hmm. like, how could you not like consume information this way? How could you let like That's, MSNBC you know, like just you know when,
0: when you mentioned that I I laughed internally because like you sound like my mom. My mom gets her information from social media, so <laughs> like I'm, you know she'll send me a link and I'm like, who sent you this on Facebook or on WhatsApp? You know, it's it's
1: Facebook and WhatsApp uh, are different uh,
0: than Twitter. Uh, I, and I, I know, you. I know, and I and 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 I, I agreed. Like um, I. Twitter in particular, I before all of this, I actually had deleted all my tweets uh obscured my name and picture, mm-hmm. and you know maybe had like two hundred followers because I wasn't using it anymore mm-hmm. I just was like um i don't i don't I'm not using this thing twitter um but at the time you know i would I would use Twitter like I would use like in the years past I've been on Twitter since two thousand eight, so in not the bad. years past I would you know, uh, I use it for, like, friends. And I have, like, a friend, I have friends who are, you know, like, I remember when Twitter was really cool, right? And I had friends who were, like, in media here in New York, you know, and they were, like, always on Twitter, 2007, thousand two thousand nine, 2009. And then I thought that it lost a bit of cool factor for a while, yeah, right? It
1: lost its luster.
0: It did. And then, um, you know, but basically I what I had not noticed because I wasn't paying attention was that very intelligent people were using Twitter just as a sort of sounding board for their thoughts and ideas, mm-hmm. right? And even in my personal experience with it, you know, after I posted the article, which I didn't intend to get a lot of information, there were a few people who had retweeted a few things that I had said. And then my phone was going so crazy, I had to turn it off. And so, and then I, you know, one night, I think it was near New Year's. I just said, you know, I'm just gonna start saying the things that I think that I usually would say to like I have a WhatsApp group with my family, and you know, we, that's where I send out most of my crazy things, you know, Mm -hmm. and then every so often one of them will say, "Chief, you stop spamming us with these, (laughs) these crazy ideas of yours, right?" And then I then so and so and Twitter is actually the. Best place for crazy ideas. You just go out there and you and you, you think about.
1: There's a bunch of kooks who will who will grab onto them.
0: Right, like, okay, right. Let's, right.
1: Let's, let's appease this idea.
0: And, yeah, and 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 it's great. It, it it's like, it will turn you into a radical in a very short, period of, <laughs> a short <laughs> period of time because you're like, wait a minute, other people think this too. Wow, it's crazy. That's the beauty of it. It, it
1: when you meet like-minded people on the internet, specifically on Twitter, because it's so immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's invigorating. It's like, "All right, I'm not I'm not crazy."
0: Right. No, it's ac- it's actually and that's and that's actually probably the most frightening thing about this entire experience has been that factor because frightening. I say frightening because it would be one thing if you put out a lot of crazy ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And then you met with a bunch of the people who were behind them. And they were all like complete psychos, you know, you know, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're just completely gone, you know, and just, you know, the, you know, degenerate people. But I'm meeting people with very good jobs, you know, very smart, very accomplished people are the ones thinking this way. And and that that part uh, scares me a little bit because um, it feels like, um, you know, we've gotten to a point in society where so many people are not really concerned with complex ideas that people are starving to meet other people who think about complex ideas because it's be, you know it's become it's become a you know
1: it's come a bit taboo to to not just fall into the the lifestyle conspicuous consumption and celebrity and and the TMZ type media and, yep. and gossip and stuff like
0: yep. that yep I, can, I come to find that um, a lot of the people that I meet in this space, even people who've been for a long time, who I can predict probably have a pretty high net worth. Most of these people that I meet and talk to are very normal, very down to earth. They don't—they're not flashy. They're just normal people who are interested in very nerdy things, yeah. and and that I think is very good. Um, I think that, and I and I and and with Twitter in particular, um, you know, Facebook has become something. You know, I've been, off it for about a, I've been off it for about a year as well. And then I went back on recently and I looked at the things that were on there and I was just like, ah, turn this off, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, and, and I think that a lot of the problems that they've been encountering in terms of having to reorient what they're doing and how they're doing it are a reflection of that. The, you know, people have become so sucked into these tools and, you know, and their dopamine receptors are being, you know, primed to look for certain types of content and to interact with certain types of content, and I find the concept of de- decentralization. I think that it works perfectly for the next stage of new technologies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know your AI assistant should not, you know, by law, belong to a large company. No, that I think that in the future, even though the cloud is so important, in the future people will produce boxes you can put in your house that will run your AI assistant and everything else so that the computerized copy of your brain is yours Mm -hmm. and is protected and is private and Google's not selling that information to advertisers (laughs) yeah exactly I mean yeah I think I think it's you know because it it, that is advertising on steroids that's that's not fair I think that people should have you know people AI assistants are good and I think AI technology is good I but I, I think that you know, machine learning or things that are really running complex operations on your behavior that you can't understand should really be um, yours. They should belong to you.
1: They should, and that's that's another recurring conversation we have on this podcast is, is owning your own data. And that's one thing a lot of people don't realize right now is that they're products. They're products of Facebook, Twitter, Google. They're following you around the internet, and they're selling your data to advertisers. And yeah, I
0: I think so. One, mm, mm,
1: sorry to interrupt. But that's why Bitcoin's so beautiful, and mm. the concept behind Bitcoin's so beautiful is because it's a push system where you're pushing data when you want to reveal it, and mm. it's not getting pulled from you automatically. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. I think that's a very good point. And um, I mean, uh, I played around with uh, Toshi. You know, I don't know if you yeah, know, it <laughs> crashes a lot.
1: What but. uh, what Brian Armstrong was building when he should have been implementing Segwit? Hey, hey,
0: leave me out of that, man. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm,
1: not like, get, I'm not gonna tell Coinbase how <laughs> to run their business.
0: Uh, oh, yeah, you can. It's a, it's a free world, right? Um, but you know, and 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 I have I do have opinions on Coinbase, right? Um, that, you know, and I, I guess I'll talk about maybe in a few seconds. But the the point I was thinking about was I I do I you know. I, th- I find it interesting to do the ad bot on Toshi, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think that, you know, that concept, right, just that concept does drop some millions out of Facebook's market cap, mm-hmm. right? Once once you can successfully implement a sustainable ad bot, right? And, like, I was using Toshi for a while, and with the ad bot, I was like, free either, every day, free either, every day. And then every so often, they'd be like, there wasn't enough funds in the ads he didn't get yours and then i was like ah put this thing away <laughs> i didn't get my free either today right so i I was, I was playing around with it i put it away but like um and when it comes to that concept of owning your own data you know i remember the diaspora project right and it was really interesting and i thought oh this is really good and, you know and it was actually really ahead of its time because you know this, the whole de- concept of a decentralized social network right and let's, let's talk about to ask for a little bit.
1: What is it? Can you explain it for people who, who don't okay. know?
0: Um, generally, it's decentralized Facebook mm-hmm. that occurred many years. Ago. I can't remember how many years it even started. It was it was maybe three or four. It occurred, it occurred well before the crypto great kitties and ICO craze, mm-hmm. right? And the whole concept was this whole concept of you know own your own data. You can basically run kind of something like a node where you you know you have your friends and your in your and your interaction on the diaspora network right yeah. and when i thought about that like and i think about it and like said so that's a company that actually i would like to see an ico from or something of not like in a typical fashion but that's something that's an idea an implementation that you know should be receiving funding and should be growing because the concept of like owning your data and especially when it comes to social media if you say a lot of interesting things on social media Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of revenue being generated from those things you should be automatically compensated for that content because you're a content producer right Mm -hmm. and um especially when people are getting you know they're spending so much time on these things that you know give them some of the value so i think that you know decent especially with decentralized communication you know i'm i'm very into technologies that would help enable people to create their own versions of you know uh walled social media mm-hmm. um applications using open protocols like signal protocol and other things right mm-hmm. that, that, you know so so that you can have some confidentiality and you know say what you want to say because that actually leads to more productive and good ideas
1: yeah no i think block stack's definitely definitely one of the projects working on that and mm-hmm. i by respect ryan and uh manib the two co-founders of Blockstack very much. I've been to a few of their meetups throughout the years here in New York, and I think they have a really good grasp on this concept of owning your own data, mm-hmm. and are building out an incredible platform with Blockstack. Mm. Um, and then beyond that, it's like there's there's not too many projects that I'm excited uh, about in in that in that regard. But yep. yep, it's something people are beginning to think about, yep. and that's something we didn't think about like as the internet. Grew into what it is today, and mm. just people were like, "Oh my God, it's so easy to sign up for Facebook and start sharing stuff." That nobody thought about that they were, they were products, and now mm. people are waking up to it. We're iterating on these things, and we're realizing that maybe the way we structured the internet and the companies build on it are at our fir- uh, throughout our first go isn't the best way. And now yeah. it's okay. We 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 recognize that uh, users being products probably isn't the best thing, and let's start. Building out these new systems where where you can give control back to the consumer.
0: that's yeah, it is it is very interesting, and we we spent a lot of time talking about things other than uh, Bitcoin in terms of ICOs and stuff. And then I feel a little bit of responsibility. I do get asked questions about these projects and other things. And I, as someone who has uh, vetted projects as a lawyer, um, you know, for money, for a job, and then also. Mm-hmm. In terms of our own fundraising and funding other companies, the one thing I say about these things is, look at the use of funds page. That's the only thing you need to read. Mm -hmm. Look and see where is the funds raising being raised going to go. And personally, I have you know, if I were to go to an investor that invests in one of our companies and say, I'm running this new project and I want half of the money for the project and the other half. I want to have a party with it. They would basically (laughs) run me out of the room. So, and, you know, and so I'm not really, so I sound, a lot of times I sound like a Bitcoin Maxx. It's not
1: always, it's not always a a party line. It's usually marketing. (laughs) Disguise (laughs) that party with marketing. Right. But
0: But if your D is so good, you don't need to market it, right? here's There's the internet, like, you know, like things can grow. You know, I put up some stupid Facebook posts talking about space and spaceships and people like, you know, and <laughs> I, and, and uh, you know, and it's moving, right? So if your idea is really super good, you don't need to put like literally, you know, I, I had a, a group of people in D.C., right? I want to meet with people about talk about this stuff because i was so excited. I put like $100 behind a Twitter post. Right, mm-hmm. I I boosted the Twitter with hundred dollars, and like thirty people showed up. So I mean, I you know, it, and now people think, oh, maybe it's a small amount. No, the people that showed up were serious people, mm-hmm. right? So I, you don't need that much to market a really good idea or something that really people are really excited about, right? I mean, if you're trying to change a paradigm, maybe you got to put a lot of money behind it. And if you're running an ICO, don't send me hate mail. I think you're doing a fantastic job. But right now, you know, the reason why I'm sitting here talking is because I wrote. A article particularly about Bitcoin and a sort of you know uh, economic social political rationale mm-hmm. for going into it and that's the only digital asset that I can make that in good faith argument for now I think that everything else shows fantastic promise and if you're into venture capital type activities go for it but for you know, for me, I see myself as a value investor with everything that I pes- I decide to spend time on. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not getting a return for the time I spend on Bitcoin in terms of money, I'm getting a h- exponential return in terms of knowledge. So, I spend my time on it for that, and I talk about it for that because I think other people, you know, need to pay attention. And you know, now we have like I, I always tell people like recently Dropbox is going to IPO i was using dropbox since dropbox was available to be used right Mm -hmm. the moment i saw it i was like whoa this is great you know (laughs) and like it has advantages still to this day you know you use google drive and everything moves up and down over the internet you know it uses your local network to optimize you know data moving amongst computers and other things it's very it's a very great product right Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know i never had an opportunity to get any value aside from being a customer and now, some people somewhere are going to make a lot of money off of something that I've been really happy and excited about for many, many years. This space is one where you can get you know that they're the, ad- rewarded for for your excitement and enthusiasm without having to ask mr moneybags mm-hmm. right which yeah. is which is which is good
1: no which is which is incredible like the open source nature of these protocols and, and these projects, just allowing the the uh retail investor to participate is something that people are, are just getting acquainted to and are addicted
0: to. Like right. You, it's and, and and so and, and that's and that's also very interesting because I think that one of the things I'm hoping to see in twenty eighteen in this space is the rise of more registered investment advisors who understand this, who don't just, you know, um throw it off Mm -hmm. i remember i was talking to somebody and i was talking to a company i worked with and i was saying hey you need to spend more time on this space and particularly bitcoin they were like well we got this in the projects and then and i was like do you know you know for a period of time this was the number one app on on the app store Mm -hmm. you know you don't ignore something that is moving with this kind of aggressive velocity you don't And you figure out a way to engage with it, Um, and I think that it's incumbent upon entrepreneurs who have professions, lawyers, accountants, um, um, you know, the um, people who, who in uh, um, financial advisors. They should they need to start understanding this more because their clients not just because their clients want it because but this, because this could very well be the you know the future of money and all that um and it's a it's a fantastic opportunity that could you know bring a lot of professionalism into the space and also prevent the biggest thing, which is people getting scammed right like lots of people and the, um, the biggest worry I, and one of the biggest worries I have, and one of the reasons why, once again, I said that central banks in developing countries should look at this is because if you advise individuals to get into the space, what happens is BitConnect. What happens <laughs> is, you know, the price of Litecoin goes from $30 to $400 overnight mm-hmm. if you don't give people advice before they get involved in this space, mm-hmm. right? You have all of these irrational, like, so unit bias. I remember, like, I can't remember, but I think a founder of a company, asked me what unit bias was oh my god and i was like mm, your company is never getting any money <laughs> 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 yeah and you know and, and you know and the thing is is
1: that that's what we that's what we talked about like i had somebody in this office asked me like uh, or tell me or, uh, what if like i'm going to buy ripple it's so cheap it go to like
0: ripple is unit bias
1: coin it could go to like $1200 i'm like do you realize how big that market cap would be if ripple went to $1200 it'd be
0: like 120 trillion dollar market cap yeah, I you know, I would I would go into my real thoughts on Ripple, but I think this is being recorded, so <laughs> you know I'll save that for afterwards. But there you know Ripple things you know all this space right? Like I can't, you know, you never know what's going to happen with any of these technologies, right? So you know, it's you know, and and so I don't want to be that luddite or that anti-innovation person, right? No,
1: that's so that's always the, the line you're I'm um, towing as well too, is right? Because I. I tread towards maximalism, and uh, I call a lot of bullshit on a lot of these projects. Right, and,
0: uh, right. And I and I, I remember, I remember it like I remember it the first time this actually happened. Right, you know, there's uh, do I talk about this or not? Big controversy over James Altucher. Oh yeah, right. Uh, Every, yeah, you... ev- everybody hates him. Right. I've met him before. Right. I met the guy, and he and you know he was perfectly nice to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know he had, you know, look. And so I see there are two sides to every story. If you bought Bitcoin when he first started talking about it, you'd be happy. Mm-hmm. But people don't also like the concept of like crypto genius on AdWords, right? You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, people hate it, right? Yeah. And so there's there's you know there's a there, you know but like then I, I remember thinking to somebody I was saying like okay well if your mom was gonna get into Bitcoin like you want James Altucher to, to talk to you about it <laughs> I, I don't know so it's sort of these it's like one of these things where and people like people are rapidly angry about you know quote unquote charlatans and frauds. The way I see it, you know, you in if once you get into space, you have to have an open mind. Mm-hmm. And what I would suggest is people should listen to everybody and then just pick the best things for themselves. Yeah. And then, like, and me purposely, the reason why I gave my the ICO disclaimer in this talk is because usually I try and avoid even talking about them, mm-hmm. because they're they are it's the same it's like crack cocaine. You know, the moment you take a significant amount of money. And you pick an ice, you know, one of these tokens or whatever, and you get a five or ten x return. Eyes red, you're on the computer, and it just, <laughs> and it's just sure. like give me more, <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> give me, give me more ten x, right? And, and it's <laughs> like, and you know, and and that is not good for human beings. We don't know how to process things like that. So as I keep at a certain point, after being involved in this for a while, I told people close to me that, hey, you know, if you have any of these things that you believe in put them in cold storage Mm -hmm. and forget about them Mm -hmm. you know you're not a trader Mm -hmm. you can't predict the future and nobody else can predict the future you're taking risks so if you're going to be taking risk do it in a responsible way and i think the best way to take risk on bitcoin is to learn about it and and i can vouch at least for this one that more so than anything else there are other uh assets digital assets that I tried to engage people about as early as 2013, 2014. And the people involved in these projects, every so often I say negative things about these projects on Twitter, the people involved in these projects, they were not nice. They did not help. They did not, you know, um, appreciate an earnest desire to learn. But for other ones, and Bitcoin in particular, if you go to even a place full of, like, really aggressive, in my view, so far, people... Most people if you earnestly say I want to learn about it and I you know, what do I do? They will help you get the information. Mm-hmm. And that's different from a lot of different things. Then what should I buy? What should I buy? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's
1: the one thing I stress and this is what Bitcoin enables is everybody to be a sovereign individual. This is a very personal decision for everybody. Like your money, the hard earned money that you are putting into these tokens it's very like you worked hard for that money you should make a very educated decision when investing and I do not want to be responsible for hand holding you towards these investments like this is a personal decision this is something that you have to do a lot of research in and and really get to know yourself before you get into this
0: well right and I, I think that really people who invest like if if you're like if you're buying these things with with an investor's mindset in order to say that you're investing, you need to know what investing is and how to do it. And most people don't know how to invest. That's why we have regulated the industry. So I do, you know, it's, 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 it is important for people to learn the general concepts. And there are a lot of people out there with decent um, perspectives on that. But, you know, the level of, uh, in the United States, the level of materialism and waste that has occurred over the past 10-15 years has been remarkable and you know we have entire industries that are uh, based on fluff nothing you know the there you know the the i saw a chart today about the fang stocks and the value and so in that kind of world there is a need for a real serious discussion about value uh, about investing, about savings, and fairness, because mm-hmm. the, you know the underpinnings of this system are made by human beings who make decisions that decide what our interest rates are, decide how expensive it is to go to school, how expensive it is to eat, and so on and so forth. And you know, and there does need to be a serious discussion. A lot of the stuff that I talk about, and one of the reasons why I am excited about this is, you know, when I was in tw- two thousand and three or so, I spent some time when I was in law school writing about. My thoughts on capitalism mm-hmm. and other things.
1: Yeah, I uh, did some research. You wrote your college thesis on land tenure. Yes, yes. You're talking about the mystery of capital.
0: Yes, Hernando de Soto is very interesting book, mm-hmm. and you know, and and that also, that book when you read it, l- lets you understand the abstract nature of value, mm-hmm. because you know a big part of the argument is that if you don't have a good legal system and a, you know a good a good land tenure system right so that's like i was telling you about za from
1: zimbabwe mm-hmm, earlier mm-hmm. one of the problems he brought up that he hopes bitcoin can solve or in the future is his grandmother owned a farm in zimbabwe and mm. rented it out for for a decade or so and then eventually wanted to go sell it and went to the farm to get her title and it found out the person she was renting it to had switched out the title in his name without her knowing and sold the farm on his like sold the farm Mm. Separately, so, without her being involved at all.
0: So I've I've looked at this issue a little bit carefully, and you know, in my I am a lawyer who has a family investment group that invests in banks and financial institutions. So we have to look a lot about and in, look, look into land as collateral and other things and the potentials of it. And I think that uh, blockchain technology, like aside from the transmission of value, uh, public registries of all kinds. Mm-hmm where there's a good degree of immutability, right? Um, Even though you need to have trusted entry points into the immutable network. Because you don't want to have corrupted entry points into an immutable network. So now, you know, you have immutable fraud, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And things of the sort, right? But But the thing is, is that for many of them, it's actually very challenging for me because, like, okay, take land i i and you know a disclaimer there are some products that i found interesting in the past that work on the land title interest you know in uh, industry that you know i have invested in other things but i but when i think about it critically right is that those things are a speculative bet for me because i always say okay in all these countries we could start with an sql database you know permissioned sql database and google maps api
1: mhm all right and just pin?
0: No, you just create, you know, in the with Maps API, right, you can actually create shapes. So you could just use Google Maps API, and you could use an SQL database, take the land registry, clean the data, and then just put it out in the public. Mm-hmm. So you could go to a map, and any coordinate, you could click on it, and it would say it belongs to A, B, or C.
1: Oh, damn.
0: And it could take five minutes to solve this problem with currently available open Is anybody technology. working on
1: it like this? Well, I mean, I use,
0: I use, I used, I use, uh, uh, at first it was called, I can't remember, they, they discontinued the product, but they had like a version of Google Maps that allowed you to, it wasn't Google Earth, but it allowed you to like create a lot of shapes and manipulate things, and I would use it if I was looking, I was doing, you know, research on land, you know, and real estate investments and other things or real estate holdings, I'd create a map, mm-hmm. and I'd put all of them, on the map, right, and it's you know it's very easy using Google Fusion Tables could do it for a while, but you can like so for example, if I'm analyzing, oh uh, yeah, I recently used it to, you in banking, right? So I do analysis on the collateral, and you know you can make a layer, and you can just see all of the collateral, and I you know reference crime statistics and other things, and it's easy, and like this is these are. It's ah, Google My Maps is what it was, whatever, and it's just it's super easy to do. You just take a data table, you throw it in there with the GPS coordinates, and you can create tons of layers and see lots of things, right? Mm-hmm. And like that, that's and that's even like that's even more ridiculous because you know you could you could basically do this not even with an SQL database. You could do this with an Excel sheet <laughs> and the GPS coordinates of the various of the various uh, um, uh, properties. So the reality is that you know. The problem, the reason why that problem with land tenure exists, is because people in positions of authority don't want it to work. And you can actually see that in the United States. Yeah, because they make money from selling <laughs> fake titles. And the other thing is, and like and, you know, and, and similarly, um, you know, take a, do an experiment in the United States. Mm-hmm. I actually, this would be an interesting experiment. If you go in the United States and you rank states by perceived level of corruption, and then cross-reference that table to the ease of searching the land title registry online for that state, and you'll find some interesting things. I'm gonna look up Illinois when I get home. Hey, hey! Don't say I have, yeah, I have business in Chicago. Someone's going to murder me. The, Illinois is great. No, I got good. I got good connections. With Chicago. <laughs> oh, you good, do? Good. Okay, I but the yeah, there's no Chicago. corruption in Chicago. What are you talking about?
1: Yeah, they I love Chicago. That's the one thing people don't realize. Uh, they call it the Windy City, not because of the wind, but because uh, of the
0: politics. Oh, the politics are fantastic. All the politicians in Chicago <laughs> are my friends, and I love them. Uh, but I mean, you know. But the thing is, is that you know. Seriously, though, you know this this whole thing. But I mean, when you look at these things, right? You know, and I, and I when I, um, you know, if you lived in New York, I lived in New York for nine years. It's the longest place time I've ever spent in one place. Is in New York, really? Yeah, and so in any time you live in New York, you pay attention to real estate, right? I took some mm-hmm. real estate development classes, and so I got into. You know all the new emerging websites like Property Shark and other things at the time or in the early you know aughts or whatever, right? You know you look and you can, and it was so exciting to me. I was like, whoa! I could pay this people money, and I can see who owns any property in the city. I was like, what? And so I, you <laughs> know, so I would just go and I would just go and look at at properties and just see, okay, who owns this one? Who owns that one? Oh, look, you know, and it's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you had to pay for it. But it's you know this this concept has been doable for so 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 long. It's just that. You know, people. You know, don't. You know, people have. It, it's the it's the public that needs to demand it to happen.
1: Yeah, the incumbents don't want to give up the uh, the authority to, to
0: register. No, right. Many, but, but even like, even not the because like. So in this use case, right. I think that the immutability, is the big thing. That's
1: the number one. The number one innovation is the censorship resistance. The immutability. The, right.
0: Right. So yeah. So once you buy it, and it's your, it's yours. But I do think that. The authority to approve, like it's gonna it's it's gonna be held within human beings. Yeah. Because it's a, the
1: Oracle problem. We mean, right. yeah. Yes.
0: There's gonna be some there's gonna need some people that we pick that we think are good people yeah. that say that, okay, this is a valid transaction and now it goes on the immutable uh, ledger. And you know and but you know, with a problem you know, but with something like land, I think that you know, with Bitcoin and with value, right, it's more important than it is because like people don't people Um, transactions in land don't have the same velocity of transactions in volume right Mm -hmm. you know and 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 also the reality it's you know it's always I find it always so funny like with all the fee debate people and all of the all the stuff and the reality is that most people who are the, like the most interested people in Bitcoin don't want to sell it. So they don't give a <laughs> hoot about transactions. like, what transaction fees? Never transacting. You know, I'm like, you know, th- th- these are people who would like not sell their Bitcoin until you can buy immortality with Bitcoin. Like they will just never sell it. Right. Oh, most people,
1: so- most HODLers I know, they're... They don't play. They plan on just using it as collateral yes. and handing yes. it down to their grandchildren. Now, and
0: this is one of the this is one of the things I'm glad you brought that up because I talk about this a lot, and I'm very excited about it because I think that mm-hmm. it is very good collateral. Yes, it is because any asset, any asset, you know, once human consciousness goes away, the value of any asset goes to zero, right? If mm-hmm. everybody dies, all financial assets' value is zero because mm-hmm. we you know we it has to exist in our brains We have to think we, we like it, right? So. If everybody decides that this thing that's immutable and permissionless has value, you create a much more vibrant financial system where you can leverage this asset for interesting things, mm-hmm. and and also you can reduce the cost of banking related relative to this asset, right? And there are already like banks that specialize in lending against um, relatively intangible. Or hard to value assets. There are banks that will lend you money against art. There are banks that will lend you money against stock portfolios and other things. Um, um you know, and then and then they focus on that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that eventually there will be banks that focus on lending money against Bitcoin because there are people who don't want to sell it, and right. And so imagine how many more companies those people would be starting and how many more people they'd be employing if loans. they could get loans against these huge holdings of bitcoin that they have it'd be good for the economy so if anybody at uh, regulatory agency in banking is listening to me please <laughs> please issue a please statement listen to Chief and just say that okay I mean, you know treat them as unsecured loans to start this is my long term view like i plan on using my bitcoin as collateral
1: one day to start businesses like mm-hmm. like just like you were just describing like i never want to touch it i just want to be able to I'll I'll, I'll sign I'll sign my key, say, hey, I can prove that I own this Bitcoin. Like, I'm going to take out a loan against it. Mm-hmm. If I'm not good on the loan, yes, you can get some Bitcoin eventually, but I think I'm going to start a good business and be able to pay back the loan that you yeah, get. And,
0: and, and it's interesting, like, um, for this particular concept, one of the reasons why I'm excited about it is that, particularly in developing countries, like, let's say you're in a country with no well, good operating land title registry, the Zimbabwe problem, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to store value. Most people, you know, the first thing, they... Um, there's a perf- there's a paper by uh, these two Yale professors. I keep forgetting their names, but basically it's called Mortgage your Future theory, right where they in, they talk about how you can make an argument that's irrational that people are allowed to borrow so much money for land, right and over allocate to it and that they should actually early on in their life borrow money to invest in stocks because, Every year in the stock market is a separate and distinct asset, and your probability of doing well is higher the more years you're exposed. So their argument is, you know, you should responsibly borrow, and they've run some numbers that show that it can work out better than, than other um, other asset classes um so i think the con- i think that people need to think carefully like and we need to readjust banking systems to not be so focused on real property and other things and think about other more interesting assets you know mm-hmm. like encouraging people to be able to once they have proven that they have a good advisor and they know about uh financial management they can borrow certain amounts of money to invest in uh, you know, as- earning assets other than real estate, right? Because mm-hmm. now, like anybody, you don't have to pass any tests to buy a house. You- once you have the down payment and the credit score, here you go. You may not even know how to plunge a toilet, and you can buy a <laughs> house, right? You know. So, but you know, but if you wanted to borrow a lot of money to buy stocks, they would be like, oh my god, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing, right? Yeah, you know, and so it's it's a it's a you know, but they're sort both a assets. Double standard there. Well, not just double, standard, but they're both assets where you can't reliably predict the price, future price. Or else you wouldn't have had a financial crisis based on the housing market collapsing, right? Mm-hmm. So, really, there's more interesting ideas in terms of lending should be allowed. But I wanted to bring up one point, and I'm not I'm not shilling for open dying, but I think in this concept, it's a very easy, and even a developing country,
1: we go, we uh. We endorse shilling for open
0: dime here. Okay, good. So it's a it's a it's a it's a you know easy cheap solution, whereby even in a country with very low infrastructure, as long as you can maintain a bank vault, you could take cu- uh, a, a custodianship of Bitcoin, right? And you could lend against it, and so basically, you know, banks everywhere regulate it. So not only is your auditor going to come in and look what's going on, but the regulator is going to come and look what's going on. And if you steal someone's Bitcoin out of the vault, you're going to jail, right? Which is a good system. So if someone can safely keep an open diamond in a bank vault, right? And then borrow against the value as the price goes up or down or whatever, and have it insured on the back end as well. Boom! There you go. Yeah. And it, and like this doesn't require, like. You know, trying to create a multi sig wallet like Parity that's gonna get hacked, right? It doesn't <laughs> yeah. require anything. It just take an open die and put the Bitcoin on and go to sleep, right? Yeah. And then just audit it, you know, check it and you can create an alert on the yeah, on the public address. Create,
1: create a movement
0: alert. Yes, exactly. And then you're done. So this this model is actually something I'm very excited about and then and when I do talk to people who have authority to talk about it, I bring up this concept because I think that it'll bring a lot of transparency into finance Mm -hmm. and it's an because it's an it's a it's an area of finance that's difficult to game right Mm -hmm. and that's actually you know it's subject to movements in price but the reality is that the value of an asset you can leverage is higher than the value of an asset you can't leverage Mm -hmm. so its existence will help to bring in some price stability it will help bring in an equilibrium in price because it's gonna take uh, uh, stock that would otherwise be sold off the market mm-hmm. and 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 so and then so you will get to equilibrium faster yeah when this happens yeah and uh, the
1: price depends on your unit of account bias if you're if your unit of account is one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin then you have nothing to worry about
0: ding 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 yes <laughs> yes. yes yes. that's very good I mean this is the you of know, this is all but uh, this is an exciting area of finance it's new and the um, the you know and and I think that everybody's thinking about it. Everybody is thinking about how they can do that. And I and I and I think that, you know, this whole like oh blockchain not Bitcoin thing came up through to a lot of the problems that Bitcoin has had over mm-hmm. time. A lot of those things have gone, and I think that there are a number of things that are going on that are wrong. You know, let's, I let's talk about them. What's going on? So wrong? let's talk about Bitcoin Cash. Um, <laughs> let's get into it. So you know the whole ETF thing. You know, uh, I, I really got into that because of what I saw with Bitcoin Cash. Mm-hmm. And just from being like a guy who doesn't really know that much and just having CryptoWatch open in the screen, I sit, my workstation is crazy. I have many, many screens, you know. And I keep Crypto Watch open, not because I'm necessarily trading, but I just like to watch the market just Mm -hmm. as I keep Bloomberg on 24-7. I -hmm. put that there because I want to see what's happening, right? See if anything crazy goes on, right? And I would see these weird moves in Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, especially on weekends and holidays, like Thanksgiving weekend and other things. And I'm like, hmm, Looks like someone's manipulating the prices, and then I, you know, and this is just a hunch. I have no uh, information. I can't accuse anybody of doing anything. I wouldn't, but I looked at it and it seemed curious that this would happen repeatedly late last year, mm-hmm. and um, and everybody who, like everybody, has been writing about. What was,
1: it wasn't even only the price; it was like the hash rate too. There, are fluctuating hash rate between chains as well. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a pretty overt manipulation.
0: That's a little over my pay grade. <laughs> no, I'm just a play. I'm joking. But the reality is that, but I mean, so but I'm saying that you don't even need to go that deep to see that something curious is happening. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, the launch, the launch on Coinbase. You know, I thought that Coinbase. You know, I everybody. Most people introduce people to this space through Coinbase because it's easy and fast, and mm-hmm. great they have UX. done great UX. And you know, and I think that right, working. So, like the only like devil's advocate argument I would make against everybody who's so angry about them not implementing SegWit and everything else, right, is that they have spent a lot of time and money on their fiat rails, mm-hmm. more so than other companies. So there are more rails and faster in some cases, not all, not for wires, but like they spend a lot, it seems like they spend a lot of time on ACH and credit card rails, oh, yeah. more so than anybody else. And, I, and, so, and that's actually why I find Coinbase to be actually a, one of the biggest threats to banks because they have a team in there that understands how to manage the most commonly used fiat rails which are credit cards and ACH right mm-hmm. and I think they focused on that because they just want to be the McDonald's right they want to be the place where if somebody just makes that decision that it's $500 they grab their credit card or they grab their whatever and they go in right yeah. um, it would be interesting to see statistics on how what the volume of purchases via credit cards. Would be right um, through Coinbase, but you know I think that they should be commended for that in terms of bringing people into the space, right? And now I'm going to take them to the woodshed. But on <laughs> in terms of that Bitcoin Cash launch, right? They kind of half apologized, but they need to apologize for that nonsense.
1: That was, it was asinine like if you're gonna be the mcdonald's of the industry like give somebody a fucking warning just mm. don't like drop it on the public like- so
0: the, the reality and i think I, I may get this wrong but when i was watching it i think that this occurred in between the launch of futures on the cme and the cboe and in each case right these exchanges told everybody we're doing it on sunday why are they doing it on sunday because they want low volume mm-hmm. and they want to work out any kinks right And they let everybody know exactly when it was going to happen, months or weeks in advance. So you cannot feign ignorance to the responsible way to launch a new asset on a platform. And my wish and hope is that they actually remove it from there. And the reason why is that it's a fork of Bitcoin. They should not have a policy. And so actually, I don't want to get hate mail. I'm joking, but not really. I personally think that there should (laughs) Chiefy, I will
1: step in where you're afraid to go. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, you can say it, Brian Armstrong (laughs) (laughs) and
1: Coinbase have (laughs) been, I don't want to say enemies of Bitcoin, but they've been actively trying to change Bitcoin for years. Starting with Bitcoin Classic, moving to Bitcoin XT, moving to Bitcoin Unlimited, moving to the New York Agreement, and then when the New York Agreement didn't work out and Segwit2x didn't work out, they decided, hey fuck it, we're going to fuck with Bitcoin by adding Bitcoin Cash out of nowhere to try to disrupt the network. Like For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if Bitcoin in its current current state is not as profitable as Coinbase would like it to be for them. I don't know what the case may be. But for some reason, Brian Armstrong and his team have been trying to change Bitcoin for years. And they've done it unsuccessfully. And I think this Bitcoin Cash addition might have been out of spite i'm not going to put any words in your mouth i'm not going to say this is how you think Mm. this is my
0: thought thanks i appreciate that so what what i'll say and what i'll say is that um look there's a responsible way to introduce an asset on any trading platform and that the responsible way is not by surprise Mm -hmm. or on like you know or even if you have a blog post early in the day anybody knows this so I think they need to apologize for doing that. I think that was very bad for this. That is one of the things that actually soured me on this space and a key reason why I decided to write publicly because I felt that things were going on that people need to know about and there needs to be a more responsible way. I think that the fund, the only thing that I could speculate is I think there are some people who mistakenly believe that These things can practically become a currency within short periods of time, and they're using various reasons to try and make it a a, a more widely acceptable medium of exchange, right? But until you create a digital asset that has a team of people like a a central bank or Fed, you know, who are managing the supply and keeping it at parity with other currencies for other strategic reasons— having it as a widely accepted medium of exchange is going to be very difficult because people are, don't want to have to pay you know, five Bitcoins for the Lambo today and ten for it tomorrow. It doesn't work in a market and your accountants are going to be working like 17 million hours trying to get your books in order. It doesn't work.
1: It has to go through the continuum. Like It mm-hmm. has to establish itself as a collectible and a store of value and then mm-hmm. eventually become to a medium of exchange when the market's saturated enough that people exchanging right. Bitcoin doesn't doesn't...
0: So you can make a perfectly reasonable argument that once, let's say, Bitcoin hits the market cap of gold and you're at a price of three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, and then on an annualized basis going from there, the price appreciates in line with global inflation, right? Mm-hmm. Then I could see the Lightning Network and Bitcoin actually having some of the major characteristics of a currency because you'd have relative stability throughout the course of the year growing to 1% to 3% on the annual basis in terms of price appreciation to a basket of fiat currencies, mm-hmm. right? That's a scenario where I can see the Lightning Network really being like okay now we have global money right but then i get back to max weber right you know all currencies really are backed by a state with monopoly legitimate alliance where's the bitcoin army right where are the people with the guns who are going to defend this network when things go down right the u.s u.s has it china has it Ghana even we have a military everybody has a military right To, to protect to protect those interests um you know and this network does not have that characteristic so I don't really see it as a currency. I really believe in the gold 2.0 thesis, um, and I think that eventually, with technologies that we may not be able to perceive or anticipate now, mm-hmm. it can become even you know many more many more things in the, in the future.
1: Yeah, and again, it's establishing itself. It's going to take time. Have some patience, people. That's another theme on this podcast: is is trying to tell or trying to help people realize that they need to be patient when these technologies are building themselves right. out you're not gonna get everything right. out of the box overnight
0: and I think yes and I think everybody has experiences you know um, if you start investing and like I'm you know I I'm not a professional in it but I play around with investing so when I first got into this I would play around and I remember one time I was using the exchange and I shorted Bitcoin <laughs> it didn't work very well Sorry for uh, your loss. No, I, I, I did not make a loss. I recover from my <laughs> losses. <laughs> <laughs> I do not end the year down. <laughs> it doesn't happen. So basically, <laughs> but the point is that I you know I was playing around with it. I was just experimenting, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, how does this thing work? And like, and actually, what do I, you know? What I people don't like. I get in. I'm in. I am a banking nerd, right? And I'm a finance nerd. So like, I will go and open bank accounts and time how long it takes. and multiple ones. Yeah, (laughs) I do it and I'm like, you know, and like I'm smiling the whole time because the person doesn't know I'm timing them. I'm like, "Mm, I'm going to put this in a spreadsheet. You know, and then I, you know, so I test out financial products. Like I, you know, if something's interesting to me, I'll open up the exchange accounts and just see how it works, right? And like I learned a lot of things about, you know um, and i and i do it as you know figuring out the future of what's happening because if you're in this financial services business you need to know what people are doing in order to know where you need to go and you need to try out the products so mm-hmm. you know and you try out money products you try out trading products and so you know i played around with it and after that i said you know that's a very dangerous tool to <laughs> to play around with with this particular asset mm-hmm. and so and and everybody has their you know their experiences where they realize that yes the best thing to do Is probably to see it as a store of value, and then like, and I I see it as a store of value slash emergency expenses slash major expenses, Mm -hmm. right? If you need to make a big purchase fast, that is that's a very good use case, and I can see that as a use case for many different types. You know, let's say you have a consortium of companies that are involved in a JV or something, right? Mm -hmm. And it's in a risky business, right? That needs liquidity fast there's a really good use case for multi-sig wallets in Bitcoin so that, okay, we know that things could go down any minute, right? Or, you know, we're trading, you know, algorithmic trading thing in very risky leveraged bets. So we need to make sure we can meet margin calls immediately, right? Mm-hmm. They're really good uses for this type of asset for sophisticated investors. And they're also really good uses of it for, you know, based on the sound money concepts and other things, right? For the ordinary person with a responsible allocation, so mm. it's a it's a, it's a really interesting
1: thing. Yeah, it can really help out with the uh, the clearing side of our uh, financial system. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that being said, we just blew through two hours there.
0: Really, that was two hours?
1: Almost. I think we're at like 155. Can't be can't be much longer than that. Wow, um,
0: wow. I think that there's a, a side effect of. Uh, Bitcoin is loquaciousness. Like it's, it just, you know, it makes you loquacious.
1: You can, you, can, you can go on for hours. We're about to go to dinner and yeah. discuss yeah. it for for yeah. your, for. Oh, great. More.
0: I hope there's more whiskey.
1: There there will be. All we're right. Going, we're going to a steakhouse down the street. Chiefy, where can we learn more about you?
0: Um, you know, you can Google me and you'll find strange things. But, I mean, really look for me on Twitter. My Twitter handle, I guess it's Chiefie Indom, my last name, N-D-U-O-M. And uh, every so often you'll find... Uh, inflammatory tweets that disappear, because I, I don't believe in leaving an indelible record of my thoughts on the internet.
1: Uh, Chief, he's trying to turn Twitter into Snapchat. He would love a Twitter. I, I, Snapchat. Would, I need.
0: I want disappearing Twitter messages. I want it. If, if that if that happened, I would buy stock at Twitter.
1: <laughs> not advised right now, though. Uh, <laughs> not, not at
0: all. <laughs> none of this is investment advice. None There's a of bunch it. of crazy people talking on t- on radio. Yeah, on the internet yeah oh the internet yeah oh sorry internet radio Um, i'm an old person you can
1: find you're not old you can find me at marty bent on twitter um subscribe to my newsletter link in my bio and yeah subscribe to the podcast if you like it share with your family and friends that are curious about bitcoin um yeah and i guess that's all we have this week freaks peace and love
0: That was good. That yeah. was fun.
1: That's what I love this show. Yeah. I like the uh